0: This is episode number 48 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, Individual Number One is President Donald J. Trump. And I am your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the usually bi-weekly program, which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump. From a conservative perspective, because unfortunately no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. Unlike the corporate media, we at the Individual One Podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co-opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. That's Individual, the number one pod. As far as the scheduling of the Individual One podcast, we uh, took a short hiatus for a couple of different reasons, some of them personal, some of them professional. However, I have been very busy during the last week or so where we have been silent from episode number 47 to today, episode number 48. If you check out the Individual One pod uh, Twitter feed or my own, which is Sigmund Freud, you'll see that I have been working on a very extensive eight-part series for Mediate, for which I write columns as a senior columnist, an eight-part series on the history of the decline of the news media's credibility and how that paved the way for Donald Trump to be a candidate to win the 2016 election and for him to not only have survived so far during his presidency but at least have a theoretical and even more than a theoretical chance at re-election in 2020. So far, three of the eight parts of that series have been released on a daily basis, starting this past Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday here, West Coast on the in the United States of America. So you can check out all three of those pieces at our uh, Twitter feeds that I've already mentioned to you. And as I said, for the next five days following this, Uh, This eight-part series will continue. I'm really proud of it. It's important stuff. Media gave me the opportunity to do this, uh, which is very rare in this day and age, to be able to kind of get into a deep dive and take a historical look at how we got here. We are so obsessed with where we are and what's next, and our attention spans are so minute, and this is part of how we got Trump to begin with that uh, this is unfortunately exceedingly rare in the news media to be able to take a look back, get some perspective and say, "Okay, how did we get here and where are we going from here? Because those two things are incredibly linked. You have to understand how you got someplace to be able to know where you're likely to go next. And so all of this is context for the coming 2020 election. And of course, as is always the case on the Individual One podcast, we will be talking at the end of the show about what Trump's prospects for re-election are, and there have been some major developments on that front. But speaking of talking about the past first, in our last episode, we focused quite a bit on the absolutely bat-crap crazy reaction of the president, as well as many of his supporters, to the death of Jeffrey Epstein. In federal prison, and at the time, uh, Twitter, especially, which is full of conspiracy nut jobs, uh, was ripe with all sorts of nutty conspiracy theories about what really happened with Jeffrey Epstein as he was awaiting trial on numerous uh, sex abuse charges. And the presumption seemed to be, and this is how weird a world we now live in, the presumption seemed to be that the conventional wisdom, the the story we we're being told by why our public officials and the media cannot be true? It's just too suspicious. He must have been murdered, and it was within this cesspool of absurdity that the president of the United States retweeted a video from a comedian, happened to be an African American guy who I've never heard of. I guess some people have, but I certainly not a household name. Uh, depositing the theory. Uh, rather passionately, that, of course, Jeffrey Epstein didn't really commit suicide. He was murdered. And he was murdered on behalf of the Clintons, that Bill Clinton had effectively murdered Jeffrey Epstein. And this was the essence of the video. And the president of the United States, the president of the United States took this video, a video that was it's just flat out ridiculous. And he retweeted it. To over 60 million followers on Twitter. And of course, whenever the President of the United States tweets anything that's inherently a news story, it goes worldwide news coverage, uh, as is understandable. And for all intents and purposes, especially since he didn't write anything condemning the theory, he was promoting the theory, if not endorsing the theory, which is just unbelievable. I mean, you cannot be serious. I mean, Even if there was a shred of evidence supporting it, which there's not, it would still be absurd for the president of the United States, especially a president who defeated Bill Clinton's wife for the presidency, and who, by the way, invited Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton to his wedding and contributed money to their foundation. I mean, all of the levels of absurdity here, you just can't get any higher than this, even in the the, uh, Trump era where absurdity has new definitions. Uh, but he did this. And in my opinion, and the opinion of other people, and I wrote a column for Mediate about this, this was the worst thing that Trump has ever done on Twitter. And this was before, this is before uh, my belief and the belief of most rational people was vindicated that, in fact, Jeffrey Epstein did, surprise, surprise, commit suicide. This is before we knew that for sure. At the time of my outrage, and the outrage of other sensible people, that shrinking group of people that actually use facts and logic and don't lose their minds over a salacious headline, uh, that, was, that was done back when it was at least theoretically possible that Epstein was in fact murdered. It was never going to be murdered by Bill Clinton, but okay, I guess it was theoretically possible. A lot of powerful people certainly had an incentive for him to die. That doesn't mean they caused him to do it uh, or, or caused his, his death. I mean, lots of people wanted JFK dead, but it was only a lone loser, Lee Harvey Oswald, based upon the facts and logic and the conclusions of the flawed Warren Commission that actually caused his assassination. Well, in a somewhat similar vein... Just because lots of people want you dead and you die doesn't mean you were murdered. You were in a federal frickin' prison. These are very difficult places to get into. And by the way, if you get into them, there's an enormous factual record, including video and and uh, security clearances and key cards and all sorts of things that record where you are and who has access to that place. It was an absurdity on its face. Well, we now know, based upon the autopsy, that he hanged himself, he killed himself, he even made a will two days before uh, he killed himself, which I'm sure the nutjobs will misinterpret somehow into their vast, bizarro world, nonsensical conspiracy theories. But here's the bottom line as far as Trump is concerned. We now know that Trump had absolutely no basis in making this accusation against the former president of murder. Murder to apparently, I guess, cover up his own sex crimes. I guess that's the theory, right? Correct. Uh, and so so the president was wrong. He not only had no basis for doing it, he was wrong. And to my knowledge, he hasn't even been asked about this. He certainly has not been held accountable for it. And it's been completely forgotten in the midst of all the other insanity that has ensued. Correct. I mean, that's the world we're living in now. The president of the United States can accuse a former president, former friend of his, of murder with no evidence be proven wrong by his own administration. That's also important to point out. Correct. This was under the auspices of his Department of Justice. Bill Barr, his favorite attorney general, the guy who did his blocking for him, that political hack that uh, muted the Mueller report purely out of partisan political purposes on Donald Trump's behalf. Bill Barr is the guy in charge here. And yet, somehow, Donald Trump got away with accusing his own DOJ of allowing Bill Clinton to murder Jeffrey Epstein. And he hasn't even been asked about it directly, as far as I can tell, and certainly has not been held accountable. And it's been largely, if not, totally forgotten because of so many other things that have occurred since then. And this was less than two weeks ago. This was less than two weeks ago. This was then followed by the utterly Zorro world uh, uh, controversy over whether or not the United States could theoretically purchase Greenland from Denmark. I'm not making this up. This is actually a real thing. Correct. Who even knew Greenland was owned by Denmark? I did not. So at the very least... Donald Trump has forced us all to learn something that's good information to have. But uh, this all uh, came about about a week ago or so, where it became it started as a rumor that Trump was asking advisers, is it possible for us to buy Greenland? And, and as I always try to be, I try to be as fair and objective as possible, even on Donald Trump. In theory, underlying theory, the United States obtaining Greenland would not be a horrible thing. I mean, if, if, if we were living in a magical world, there would be benefits to that occurring. There would be strategic benefits to that occurring, especially now that the Chinese have expressed an interest in uh, having some sort of uh, inroads into Greenland. However, that, the idea of buying Greenland is absurd. I mean, it, it, it's just not going to happen. It's just flat out ridiculous. And anybody with a brain knows this, but with Trump— his ego is such a large part of his persona, and he has such an inability to back down from anything, even when he's wrong, especially when he's ridiculed, that he has taken what should have been a one-day, ha-ha, he-he, isn't this funny story, and he's now made it into an international incident. Because the, the idea got ridiculed. Denmark then shot it down in a way that Trump did not deem to be worthy of his esteemed position in the world. He felt disrespected by the way Denmark shot it down. And so now Trump has canceled a pre-scheduled trip to Denmark, all in a temper tantrum over the fact that they won't let him buy Greenland which is probably never more than a, hey, wouldn't it be interesting if we could do this type of conversation? At least that's my hope. With Trump, you never know for sure. But because Trump didn't get his way and got disrespected publicly, he's now taken a molehill and turned it into an international mountain. And by the way, this could have major repercussions. He may have taken Denmark and Greenland, who were allies, and turn them into countries that are, at the very least, suspicious of us and might be more willing to allow, for instance, the Chinese to get a foothold in Greenland. So this is a net negative, potentially, in likelihood. But more importantly than that, it just shows the bat-crap-crazy nature of what's really going on in the White House. Correct. I mean, th- this was this was a fantasy, a fantasy that... That steamrolled, snowballed into something actually real with potentially significant ramifications. Not to mention, and you know, I've never been somebody who was all that worried about the United States uh, perception in the rest of the world. I mean, it's important, but it was never in the top 10 things I was worried about with regard to a presidency. This has gotten so ridiculous so absurd that now it is a, is a significant concern because the rest of the world has to be looking at us and going, what the hell is going on? Correct. Because there's no way to rationalize this in the context of everything else that's going on with regard to Trump and not be concerned that wait a minute, hold on. This is not an aberration. This was not a one-off. This is actually what's truly happening. That there's no there there. That even behind the scenes, things are probably even worse. That if this is getting out in public, what is it that Trump is focused on in in private? I mean, how batshit crazy could that get? So, in other words, it's kind of like, you know, I've always felt that the best way to look at Trump and the best way that, that most people, I think, not necessarily the best way, but certainly the way in which there's the tr- divide between the way Trump is perceived is the Wizard of Oz. Is Trump the man, old man behind the curtain without a clue? Or is he actually the wizard, the great and powerful Oz? I have always felt he's the old, clueless man behind the curtain. Well, the Greenland thing Shows the rest of the world. Yep, uh, we got no great and powerful odds. Uh, we got an old, clueless man behind the curtain who might not be mentally with it. And and I'm and the might now, it might actually be an optimistic word to use there. As I speak, as we're doing this podcast, one of the top trending, if not the top trending, items on Twitter is Twenty Fifth Amendment now. Twenty Fifth Amendment now, which which is about the clause in the Constitution that allows the cabinet to remove a president if he is not able to perform his duties. Traditionally considered to be basically he's lost his mind and he needs to be removed. Now, we have another way of doing this called impeachment, but the Democrats are too cowardly to do that and the Republicans in the Senate would block it anyway. But in theory, you wouldn't need that. It, I mean, it's an incredibly high threshold, and it's not going to happen. But the fact that this is being rationally discussed, although hardly on Twitter, that doesn't just because you're trending on Twitter doesn't mean it's being rationally discussed. But there are serious people, including George Conway, the husband of Kellyanne Conway, one of the president's top advisors, who has been strongly implying that the 25th Amendment ought to be invoked. And Anthony Scaramucci, the former communications director for 11 days for the president of the United States, has certainly also been implying it as well. And and we'll talk a little bit more about him later on. But part of why the 25th Amendment is now being rationally discussed is that it's not just accusing Bill Clinton of murder without any evidence, not apologizing when you're proven wrong. It's not just trying to to buy uh, Greenland and then uh, canceling a trip to Denmark when they they shoot down the idea and you have your temper tantrum there's also now this this really strange situation going on with Israel and Trump and the Jews and him saying whether uh, that uh, Jews are disloyal if they don't vote for him and there was you know there was some attempt to try to rationalize what he meant by disloyal but no now it's pretty clear based upon the comments of today, both of him and, and those close to him, that he meant that uh, Jews are disloyal to Israel if they don't vote for him. Now, uh, I don't even understand. I, I don't understand any of this. I don't understand why Trump is making an issue of this. There, there, there does not appear to be any rational way in which he benefits from it. it uh, th- but the only thing that I can make sense of this is He made a mistake. This is much like the Greenland situation. Trump made a mistake with the disloyalty comment. Right. And he got a lot of heat for that. And so now, instead of saying I was wrong or trying to be honest about it or, heaven forbid, apologizing for saying something as stupid as Jews are disloyal to Israel if they don't Uh, Vote for Donald Trump, or if they vote uh, for Democrats, they're being disloyal. Instead of doing what the average human being would do, what a leader would do, instead of that, no, 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 he doubles and triples down. He doubles and triples down on the absurdity. And so what ends up happening is, and, and we've seen this pattern many times before, this is why it's so important to understand that he has a cult. Cult 45, his supporters that I've referenced many times before, they are not rational. They are, in fact, a cult. I love the poorly educated. And so because he has a cult, like with any uh, cult that you've ever heard of before, they will always support the leader, no matter how irrational, no matter how wrong, no matter how contradictory uh, their support has to be from day to day. It doesn't matter. The leader is the leader. He is always right, and this is much like a king. This is, to me, the heart of my many objections. I have many objections to Donald Trump, but my, my most fervent is that he is turning the presidency into a kingship, our form of government into a monarchy, that he is, he is the absolute personification of everything conservatives claim to be concerned about during the Barack Obama presidency. Barack Obama was a narcissist. Barack Obama was treated as if he was godlike by the media and his supporters, but it was nothing in comparison to this. Nothing. And so, because he's a cult leader, he has people immediately support him even when he's dead wrong. And so, that's what happened here. He makes the comment about Jews being disloyal if they don't vote for him, don't support him politically, or they vote for Democrats. And sure enough, Immediately a right-wing nut job named Wayne Allen Root who is an absolute nut he's a conspiracy guy uh, he's a nut like a lot of right-wing uh, media people are I know most of them I've never met Wayne Allen Root but I know people who know him he's crazy like a lot of these guys there's two basic groups of right-wing media people at this point they are either frauds and charlatans cash conservatives as i refer to them who know what they're doing or they're just completely nuts that's the two basic groups uh, of people who are in the conservative media and wayne allen root from everything i can tell is a nut job correct and so he makes a statement which trump then tweets that and let's be clear wayne allen root is not a jew so right off the bat it's awfully strange coming from him. But he makes the statement trying to support Trump's claim that Jews are disloyal if they don't support Trump, that effectively in Israel, Trump is seen as the king of Israel, the king of Israel, and the second coming of God. Correct. That That's what Wayne Allen Root says. The president immediately jumps on that and tweets out the quote, again, much like the accusation that Bill Clinton killed Jeffrey Epstein. He is promoting this. He is effectively saying, hey, look at this. I agree with this. Uh, This is the truth. Well, again, the source, Wayne Allen Root, is not credible. Number two, the idea that Donald Trump is promoting the idea of him being called the king of Israel, The king of Israel. I don't even care if it's true or not. I have no idea what Donald Trump's approval rating is among people who live in Israel. It might be very high. I don't know. It doesn't matter for the purposes of this discussion. For the purposes of this discussion, the president of the United States is promoting a nut job claiming that he is the king of Israel and seen as the second coming of God. Now, uh, I'm a recovering Catholic. Uh, I'm not a Jew. A lot of people think Ziegler is Jewish. I am not Jewish. But I know enough about the Jewish religion to know they don't believe in a second coming of God. So here you have a non-Jew, a nut job, making this redonkulous claim about Trump being the king of Israel, and bastardizing the Jewish religion to come up with this notion, this Christian notion of a second coming of God, and the president tweets it out. That's crazy. That's... It's just flat out ridiculous. I mean, people, really? Really? You cannot be serious! And then, as this is creating controversy... Today, the president of the United States goes out on the front lawn of the White House and refers to him, and I shit you not, he re- refers to himself as the chosen one. He looks up into the sky and refers to him as, himself as the chosen one. I am the chosen one. Now, this was in reference to taking on China with regard to the trade war, which is incredibly... Uh, ill-conceived and could end up uh, causing us to go into a recession and may in fact cause him to lose re-election. But he is claiming on the same day that he's tweeting out that he's the king of Israel and the second coming of God, referring to himself as the chosen one. I'm sorry uh, when you have a cult-like following like Donald Trump. I love the poorly educated. These words need to be taken seriously, especially when The very same people supporting him, especially in the media, just spent the previous two terms of the Obama presidency condemning the entire cult of Obama phenomenon and those who made him into a religious figure, which I will, I made a movie about, largely about this, called Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected. The deification of Barack Obama was a huge part of that narrative, I have to tell you. That was nothing in comparison to what we have seen from Trump himself and some of his strongest supporters, especially in the right wing media. And it's dangerous. It's not just hypocritical. Hypocrisy is dead. I mean, that's long gone. Correct. But this is now dangerous. We are in the realm of a crazy person making himself into a king, and it's a lot. You know, there are two metaphors or parables or stories that I think are relevant. I've already referenced the Wizard of Oz, but there's a similar one, and it's the Emperor's New Clothes. And the Greenland thing, and the and the Jewish uh, loyalty thing, take on very much the essence of the Emperor's New Clothes. I've always felt like it would be fascinating if there was a poll of Republicans who are aware of the story of the emperor's new clothes and those who are not. If you could break down Republican support of Trump based upon people who are familiar with the emperor's new clothes and those that are not. Of course, those that are not. I love the poorly educated. uh, They are far more likely, in my opinion, to be Trump supporters. Those that are familiar and remember that story from their childhoods, they go, wait a minute, hold on a second, this is exactly why we were taught this story. And the Greenland thing and the Jews being disloyal thing are classic examples of now, no matter how crazy it is, you must tell the king that his clothes look beautiful even when he's not wearing any clothes. Correct. And that's the real deal here. He's not wearing any clothes. There's no there there. This is all just him. He's making it up as he goes along. He has no clue. He has no idea what he's doing. There is no grand plan, and and it's much of it's inconsistent from day to day. But because he's a cult leader, and because he had he's the emperor with no clothes. But everyone's forced, as you, if you know the story. Everyone's forced to tell him your clothes look beautiful because everyone's afraid of telling him he has no clothes. Then you end up getting a situation where formerly serious people are supporting complete and total absurdity. Correct. And that's where we are. And it's not just in the frivolous. Some of this stuff, you know what? Hopefully, it's not going to cause long-term damage. But in the midst of all this, being lost completely, almost completely in in this nutty news cycle, is the fact that yesterday, yesterday the President of the United States urged the G7 members to allow Russia and Vladimir Putin back into the G7 and rewrote history on how they got kicked out of the G7 to begin with, saying that Putin had outsmarted Obama. That Putin had outsmarted smarted Obama, and that's how Russia was no longer in the G7, as he was urging them to be allowed back in. That's not what happened. That is absolute, total baloney. They've got kicked out because of the invasion of Crimea. That is why Russia got kicked out of the G7. And I realize. That according to Trump, after three years of lies and smears and slander, the Russia hoax is finally dead. Yeah, well, um, in his mind it is, but we still have a guy who is doing the bidding for Vladimir Putin at every turn. Doing more to disrupt NATO and to promote Russia and Russian interests in many ways, not all, but in many ways in a in fashion that Putin could never have possibly dreamed of, even under Barack Obama. And that, to me, was always the essence of the whole Russian investigation. Is he compromised? And if he's compromised, why is he compromised? And the Mueller report, contrary to the bull crap that Bob, uh, Bill Barr and, and, uh, and Donald Trump put out and their sycophants put out, there was plenty in the Mueller report to indicate that there were reasons— and our reasons for Trump to have been compromised, not necessarily as a Manchurian candidate type of situation, but where he is beholden to them, not necessarily because of a tape. It could be just as simple as he still wants to do business there like he was trying to do during the 2016 election and lying about it. Or he just has this fascination with strong, powerful, super-rich dictators who are allowed to do whatever the hell they want. And that's what he wants for this country, which is dangerous. And any conservative worth anything should be calling him out on this. But of course, they're not, because they're afraid. They're afraid of the cult. They're afraid of their audiences being driven away. They're afraid of turning into what happened to Glenn Beck, who had to come back with his red MAGA cap in his hand, Uh, hoping to be forgiven for his past sins of actually standing up for what is right and what was remotely conservative. And now he's part of the the pack and every single conservative media celebrity is right there with him. And it's pathetic. I love the poorly educated. And they're all going to regret this eventually. Of course, they'll, they'll never be held accountable because no one's going to admit they were wrong. We no longer force people to admit they were wrong, and no human beings don't like admitting when they're wrong. Very few have the courage to do it, and when they're not forced to, they won't do it. Just like Trump with the Jeffrey Epstein-Clinton-murdered-him theory. He's not forced to apologize, not forced to be held accountable, so he's not going to. And so I'm still exceedingly pessimistic. I am as positive as I've ever been that the backlash to all this is going to be devastating for conservatism and the country. I'm also as positive as I've ever been that there's going to be no accountability, and the bad guys are going to end up benefiting from this, and the very, very few good guys will see no benefit for having stood up for what is right. But some of us, very few of us, still have to do it, because the truth ought to matter to somebody at least, even if it's just a little podcast— that uh, that tells you the truth in a way no one else can do it. And, and and so we've got all sorts of things going on here. We also have the looming threat of a recession. And Trump is contradicting himself all over the place on this. Correct. Uh, he delayed some of the tariffs until December 15th because reportedly he didn't want to ruin Christmas. Correct. Well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I didn't think Americans were paying the tariffs. That's what he said. So if they're if they're a threat to Christmas, that means he's wrong or lying about tariffs to begin with. Correct. So which is it? Are, are, are Americans not paying the tariffs, or are they a threat to the Christmas holiday shopping season? That's completely contradictory. Similarly, he's telling us, and his people are telling us, no, no threat of recession. All signs are great. The economy is good. By the way, there is still some very good economic data coming out. There was some good economic data coming out today, which caused the stock market, at least early in the day, to go up about 250 points. Well, okay, fine. You're telling us there's no recession, even though about half or maybe more than that of economists think there's a decent chance of recession in the next year or so. You're saying there's not going to be one. But why are you urging the Fed to reduce interest rates? And why are you proposing this idea of a payroll tax cut just before the election? Why are you doing that? You wouldn't be doing that unless you were concerned that something was going to happen and we were going to be in a recession before the magic date of November of next year when you're up for re-election. And by the way, manipulating the economy, I mean, presidents, I guess, have been accused of this my entire lifetime. But I've never seen anybody who is more prone and willing and able to actually do it in a significant way, specifically with regard to these tariffs, than Donald Trump. I mean, so, and here with this payroll tax, it couldn't be more overt, more transparent, what he's really doing here. He's he's trying to stave off a recession until he's reelected. It's it couldn't be more obvious. Correct. But and that's not right because you're manipulating the markets. And as far as market manipulation, and I cannot obviously cannot prove this. And I don't even know for sure that it's happening. But I am astonished that there has been so little intellectual curiosity among the economic elite and the stock market media, the CNBCs of the world, I don't know whether or not they're afraid of, of turning themselves into you know, another Rachel Maddow on a Russian massive conspiracy theory that ends up blowing up on their faces. But it is astonishing to me that the ease with which Donald Trump is willing and able to cause the stock market to go up or down based upon a whim based upon a comment uh, in front of the White House or a tweet where he's either saying that we might come to an agreement with China or screw you, China, I'm the chosen one and you know, we're not going to deal with China uh, or I'm going ahead with tariffs. All these things are moving the markets hundreds and hundreds of points in either direction. And it's very obvious what's going to happen. It's even obvious to a semi-moron like Donald Trump. And again, I want to emphasize, I can't prove this is happening. I don't even know that it's happening. But if there was anybody who had an incentive, a guy who loves money, a guy who has zero issue with unethical behavior or with lying or with conflicts of interest, I mean, this is the guy. This is the last guy in the world you would ever want with the power to move markets to the tune of billions and billions of dollars on a daily basis, on a whim, to give him that kind of power right off the bat should have been at the top of the list of things that would have disqualified him to be president of the United States. Because we've, n- we've never had a president in my lifetime that would have even thought, I mean, just the appearance of the impropriety would have been dangerous enough to make statements that you knew for sure were going to move a market in one direction or the other. But could you please, somebody, tell me why we shouldn't believe that Donald Trump— I mean, think about how easy this would be. It would be so unbelievably easy. All Trump would have to do is call up a friend and say, you know, I'm thinking about uh, tweeting about uh, me uh, going ahead with tariffs today. Or, you know what, I'm thinking about the opposite. All he would have to do—he doesn't even have to say— hey, I think the market's going to go up or down today. All he has to do is give them the heads up. And that's a humongous favor he has just done for somebody. And I'm not even, I'm not even proposing the idea that that person then ends up making the market bet on his behalf where he actually ends up making the money in the end. That's theoretically possible too. I'm just talking about doing favors for people because there's inherent plausible deniability. How are you ever going to prove something like that? these people aren't complete idiots. They know how the markets react. I mean, the tariff thing is is like perfect for this because everyone knows the market hates the tariffs. Everyone knows that Trump is in favor of the tariffs. And so every time he, he makes an indication he's backing off, the market goes up. Every time he says the opposite, the market goes down. That is unbelievably valuable information. And you mean to tell me that we are so intellectually uncurious, especially after everything we've been through for the last three years, to not think that Donald Trump would not take advantage of that kind of information? That that kind of power, that he's not doing this for reasons other than, for instance, his own political standing or his own potential re-election? I mean, that to me is just too much of a temptation to believe that Donald Trump wouldn't at least consider taking advantage of this. And we've already known he has the lack of morality and the value system to do exactly that. Correct. I mean, this is who he is. Money is his life. His net worth is his life. And he he! It's just astonishing. It is amazing to me how naive the news media still is that they're not even looking into this. There was a, a yesterday a column in the Wall Street Journal that inadvertently made a hell of an argument that Trump is manipulating the stock market without even going there. They, they detailed all the times the market moved dramatically based upon in both directions based upon his statements and. I want to say for the third and final time, I don't know and cannot prove that that Donald Trump is actually doing this, but it would be unbelievably easy and it would be right in keeping with everything we know about him. And there have been lots of things that were unfathomable that we've learned were actually true. Like, for instance, and I'll repeat it, I'll keep repeating this because incredibly few Americans even know it, During the 2016 election, the president of the United States was trying desperately to build a Trump Tower in Moscow as the Republican presidential nominee and lying about it, and then had his personal attorney lie to Congress about it. Correct. I mean, if he's capable of that, you don't think he's capable of making a phone call to a buddy, give him a heads up on a tweet that he knows is going to move the market several hundred points? Please, please. So all of this is going on. uh, And it's just it's uh, it's amazing. Um, uh, And you think that we are so desensitized. And I've always said the biggest danger here is we are so desensitized. We no longer react kind of like the uh, the metaphorical frog that's uh, boiling to death because they don't realize it's getting hotter. Uh, because you you just just, just think it can't get any crazier. Are you not entertained? Yeah, I mean, that's where we are. I I, I mean, that's where we are. it's, It's the gladiator movie. Are you not entertained? I actually think, though, and this is me being an optimist, which I'm not known for, I actually think that the entertainment value is starting to wear off. I think we are close to a breaking point. I realize that we've thought this before, uh, but something feels different this time, a little different. Nothing's fundamentally going to change unless the economy tanks. As I said a couple of episodes in the podcast, which I think is prescient, I mean, that's Trump's kryptonite. If the economy tanks, he is toast. It is over. Uh, his approval will take a nosedive into the low 30s. And at that point, all bets are off. Even impeachment would be theoretically back on the table in a in a viable fashion. As long as he is where he currently is at 43 percent, that's never going to happen. That doesn't mean he can be reelected. It depends on who the Democrats nominate. But it feels to me like he's on the brink, that he's teetering on the edge that some of these things are starting to have an impact. His disapproval rating is at a rock-solid 54%. In fact, the most recent polls, I've never seen anything like this with regard to consistency. Every single major poll, including Rasmussen, his favorite poll, has him at 53 to 56% disapproval rating. This is as of yesterday. That is astonishing. That's an astonishingly high number, and it's astonishing. Consistency. Only 2.5% of the American people, based upon the average of these polls, have no opinion on whether or not to approve or disapprove of Trump's job in office. That is a minuscule number. You can't get 2.5% of people who say they don't have an opinion on what day of the week it is. All right? I'm being serious about this. I've worked in polling. You cannot do that. That's how strongly the American people feel in one way or the other about Trump. Now, yes, his 43% is solid. It's not as rock solid, in my opinion, as the 54% disapproval. The 43% approval, I would say, there's about 10 percentage point points there that are just hanging on, and that's those are the 10 percentage points that will immediately uh, uh, evaporate if the economy goes south. Uh, that's a gets a educated guess, in my opinion. So, uh, but the co- the key question here is is if if the economy does not tank, if if we stay out of recession, whether it's because of manipulation by Trump because he knows he needs to get through November of next year or maybe we just avoid the recession that people have been fearing for quite a long time because we've gone through an incredibly long period of consistent growth uh, through the Obama administration and through the Trump administration. Is his current level of support enough for him to be reelected? And I have always I've always said, there's a chance that it's not. There's a chance that if he can't grow from where he is, he can't get reelected even in the Electoral College. A large part of that equation is based upon who his opponent is. And I've said, and I believe as strongly today as I ever have, that if the Democrats nominate Joe Biden, that Trump's current level of support will not get it done. He cannot beat Joe Biden. If the election were tomorrow, now obviously it's not. There's a lot that can happen between now and next November. But if the election was tomorrow, I would bet everything I have that Joe Biden would beat Donald Trump and it probably would not be close. From an Electoral College standpoint, he would win the states needed. Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. He might even win Ohio or Florida. There are people even thinking he might have a shot in Texas. Regardless, you win Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania where Biden plays very well. It's over for Trump. He cannot win based upon the results of the 2016 election. His current level of support with other candidates, I do think it's an open question. And right now, it sure appears to me as if it's going to come down to Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren for the Democratic nomination. Again, a lot of things can happen, but not that many things can happen. I mean, I think we've narrowed it down to five candidates, maybe four on the Democratic side who have a legitimate chance. Kamala Harris appears to be fading fast, remarkably fast, considering the media anointed her after the first debate two months ago, and, and wrote off Joe Biden. Chris Matthews even asking Kamala Harris whether or not uh, Biden is finished. <laughs> Boy, that, that, that really, uh, that, that aged well. Uh, two months later, Biden still has a commanding lead, and Kamala Harris is barely in the top five, top-tier candidates. To me, right now, all other things being equal, no black swan events occurring, which they inevitably do happen, but everything else being equal... Who wins between Biden and Warren is going to be based upon which other candidates get out and when they get out. The more crowded the race is, the better for Biden. The less crowded the race is, it's better for Elizabeth Warren. And I maintain that that means it's better for Donald Trump. So if Bernie Sanders stays in, if Kamala Harris stays in, I think that's good for Biden. If you have a three, four, five-person race through the first several primaries through South Carolina into California, then Biden is in good shape. If for some reason it turns out to be Biden versus Warren very early on, I think Warren wins that race because she's got the energy. She's a little bit younger. She's more liberal. She's a woman. The media loves her. And frankly, part of the reason I think the media loves her is she gives them a close election with Donald Trump. She gives them a much more interesting election, Uh, and I'm not sure she wins. I think the Pocahontas or the Focahontas issue is going to be a big problem for her, much more so than liberals understand. She actually gave an address this week to a Native American group where she apologized for her past actions. I'm sorry, that's not going to cut it. Against Donald Trump, he's going to use Pocahontas, Focahontas, the, the the fake Native American issue uh, for all it's worth. And it's going to label her the way that Hillary's emails uh, labeled Hillary in 2016. Uh, as far as Biden, yes, he's a gaffe machine. Yes, he's too old. Yes, he's lost a step, although he may never have had that step that he's lost. Uh, Yes, on a weekly basis, there's going to be a gaffe that the media is going to ridicule Joe Biden about. There's one this week about uh, Biden saying that uh, Martin Luther King and uh, Robert Kennedy were assassinated in the 1970s, which, of course, is not accurate. It was the late 1960s. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. Okay. Um, Really? Seriously, this is what you're going to worry about when the president of the United States is tweeting that he's the king of Israel and the second coming of God and he's the chosen one and he's canceling trips to Denmark because they won't let him buy Greenland. This is what you're going to worry about. Seriously, (laughs) really? I mean come on people you cannot be serious <laughs> I mean no one I have never said Joe Biden is the antidote to anything everything or anything I don't even like Joe Biden I've just told you that if you don't destroy Joe Biden he beats Donald Trump so if that's your goal then that's where you ought to be whether democrats are going to be that rational or not is a very very open question uh, at this point, I think it's probably about a 50-50 proposition with regard to him and Elizabeth Warren. Now, there's been a lot of talk in the last few days about whether or not Trump will have a primary challenge. Uh, and I have already said on this podcast, um, somewhat cryptically because I didn't know what I was allowed to say, and I still don't know what I'm allowed to say, which I hate. I, I, I am really bad in circumstances where I am conflicted. All right. And I'm very conflicted in this particular set of circumstances because I know things that I'm not allowed to say. But there have been uh, uh, there's been a lot of talk. In fact, there's a Washington Post uh, article out today which talks about people who are strongly considering running against or even just barely considering running against Donald Trump for the GOP nomination. Uh, William Weld has already said that he might consider it. Mark Sanford, Joe Walsh is is now uh, making rumblings that he may run. Jeff Flake was talked about in the article. John Kasich, uh, the former governor of Ohio who ran in 2016, Uh, doesn't appear to be super interested, but is at least doing some things that are consistent with the possibility that he might run. I am uh, in contact, close contact with one of those guys, and one of those guys is going to run. Uh, And they might run very, very, very soon. Uh, That's As much as I'm comfortable saying, I'm not going to get into that uh, because I don't honestly know what I'm allowed to say at this point and what I'm not. Uh, I I am someone who has told this person that they need to understand that it is a very, 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 very long shot and that they would be doing this for the purposes of the historical record, for the principle, uh, for there to be some sort of avenue For uh, Republicans who are disgruntled and who want to express their discontent with Donald Trump, that they have a vehicle through which they can do that. Uh, This person understands that, I believe, Um, and I will have a lot more to say. Uh, when and if what I believe is going to happen uh, happens, and it could happen, like I said, very, very shortly. So I'll, that's enough about that. But stay tuned. Much more to come on that particular issue on the Individual One podcast and on my Twitter feed and elsewhere. Uh, all, within this topic, I, I want to at least mention, as I've already done earlier, Anthony Scaramucci, the guy who was the communications director at the White House for all of 11 days, who has now come out and full on Uh, become an anti-Trump person, saying that he is unfit for office, saying that other cabinet members, uh, I I presume former cabinet members, agree with him and that he's going to put together a group of former cabinet members to say that Trump is unfit for office in an effort to try to get him knocked off the GOP ticket for 2020. I think that that is um, unrealistic. I would love to see it, in my experience, and I've talked about this, especially with regard to old men. We talked about this with Robert Mueller. Old men lose their balls for whatever reason. I, I am still mystified as to why that is. I have some theories as to why it is. But you're talking about old men here. You're talking about people like Rex Tillerson, uh, John Kelly, General Mattis. These are all old men who had used to have very big balls. All those guys used to have very big balls. Uh, and uh, you need three. There's, I've always said in this situation, three is a magic number. You need three people to come out in order to provide protection for others as, also, as well as being taken seriously themselves. If you don't have three, you don't have protection. No one else comes forward. And by the way, when you don't have three, the other two, they tend to get weak need and they chicken out too. So unless Scaramucci can get Tillerson, Mattis, and Kelly to all come forward in unison and say, yep, Anthony's right, Trump is mentally unfit, we cannot afford a second term, then this is a, 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 an effort that is doomed to failure. That is theoretically possible, but I would not count on it, based upon my knowledge of human behavior and having perceived the way people are terrified of going against Trump. I don't get why a Rex Tillerson would be afraid of going up against Trump. He is old. He is way richer than Trump probably is in real life. My father knows Rex Tillerson a bit, and he's uh, surprised. Or I should say, I'm surprised based upon what my father has told me about Rex Tillerson that we've not heard from Tillerson more publicly. Uh, with regard to his disdain for Trump uh, because of the nature of his personality. So Tillerson, I think, would be the first person, if I was Scaramucci, I would go to. Uh, But if you're Tillerson, you're probably not going to go public unless you got other people with you. And like I said, Mattis and Kelly would be the most prominent potential members of that group. Unless you get all three, it's really not worth it. And Scaramucci, let's face it, is a guy who uh, is a lot more talk than he is action. He's a lot more hat than he is cattle. And I would like to believe his heart is in the right place. I really do. I don't know Anthony Scaramucci. He's an intelligent guy. Uh, Sometimes he says things I really, really agree with. And then other things, he does things I'm like, what? That doesn't make any damn sense. Uh, But I I wish him the best in this effort. But I am not optimistic about how it will go. And I do think that there is a definite connection or correlation between how a primary challenge against Trump would go and whether or not you would see anything come about with regard to this effort to get former cabinet members of Donald Trump to come out and and safely say, look, uh, we can't have four more years of this. Uh, Finally, as is always the case, we end this edition of the Individual One podcast with the updated numbers with regard to whether or not Donald Trump will finish his first term in office and whether or not he'll be reelected. And there's been some change. Uh, I'm going to slightly adjust the number uh, of uh, the chances of him not finishing his first term in office to 6%. That's a fairly substantial increase from the dismal 2% where it was uh, somewhat because of all the 25th Amendment murmurs and partially because it does appear as if uh, Trump might be losing it mentally, the possibility uh, of the recession looming. I still think it's a very, 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 very long shot, but it is theoretically possible. And in connection with that, I am now going to make uh, Trump um, not a prohibitive, but at least a legitimate underdog for reelection. I think he's at about 42% to be reelected to President of the United States. Uh, much of that is based upon whether or not Joe Biden is the Democratic candidate. If it was Joe Biden, Um, If the election was today, as as I've already said, he would have zero chance of reelection. He would probably have only an 80 or 90 percent. I'm sorry, he would have only a 10 or 20 percent chance of reelection, even presuming the election is over a year away. If it's Elizabeth Warren, uh, we're who knows? Uh, I think Trump would probably be favored right now. To beat uh, Elizabeth Warren if she were the Democratic uh, candidate. And unfortunately, very few Democrats seem to understand that. But anyway, for the official tally, again, please no wagering. 6% chance that he does not finish his first term in office and 42% chance he is reelected. Until the next edition of the Individual One podcast, which is scheduled for this Sunday, uh, mid morning West Coast time here in the United States, thanks so much for listening. Please remember to Subscribe, rate, review, and share this program via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. That's Individual, the number one pod. Please also remember to check out and share my eight part series on Mediate about the historical decline of the news media's credibility and how we got Donald Trump. Again, you can find that at uh, my Twitter, which is Sigmund Freud, and our Individual One Pod Twitter feed. And until next time, thanks so much for listening. My name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Global Story Network. Bye. Yeah.